Welcome back to part two of Tim and I's breakdown of Dr. Gabor Mate redefining addiction and how it relates to authenticity and recovery. Again, Tim and I are not therapists. We don't have training in counseling or psychology. This is a conversation between two friends attempting to grapple with this powerful message. Mama did her best to look after me, but she was stressed, depressed, terrorized, grief-stricken. I'm picking that up as a sensitive infant. Can I fight back, change the situation, or escape? None of those. What can I do? Nothing I can do. My brain will tune out as a way of dealing with the stress. There's early adaptations, like pushing down your feelings when the feelings are too painful, will help you as a young child, but then they cause problems later on. And so the issue is not just to recognize what happened 10, 15, 30, however many years ago, but to actually recognize the manifestations in the present moment and to transcend them. And how do you do that? By reconnecting with yourself, by restoring the connection with your body primarily and with your emotions that you lost. And once you do, when you found these things again, then you have what we call recovery. Because what does it mean to recover something? It means to find it again. So what is it that people find when they recover? They find themselves. And the loss of self is the essence of trauma. Another theme he talks about is the idea that the loss of self is the essence of trauma. I'll give you an example in my life. Yeah. So growing up, my father was a tyrant of the household, which is his way or you're going to get screamed at. Okay. So when that gets communicated to me very clearly, I have a choice. I either can say, all right, well, I believe this in this moment, but he believes something different. Well, I'm going to still stick with what I believe or I can ascribe to what he wants for me and the family. So what happened was, is that I gained a negative skill. It's a skill. It served me then, which was to resolve conflict through changing what I believed or what I wanted or how I acted. So anytime a conflict would start arising, anytime where my father would start to get angry, I would look around and I wouldn't think this is what I'm doing, but I would look around the situation and say, how can I make it better for him? How can I alleviate what he's stressed about? So maybe everyone's being too loud. I'm going to quiet down my siblings. Maybe he's angry that it's too messy. Okay, I'm going to not only do it myself, but I'm going to garner my siblings to clean things up. Okay, so I was unconsciously developing a behavior that wasn't my own. I was not a, a cleanly person. I wasn't somebody who cared about what adults wanted of me. However, now when I get into a situation where there's an authority figure, specifically a male authority figure, in a company and he wants something done, I will immediately start changing my behavior in order to satisfy that. And it gets to the point where I can get away with that until there are things I'm sacrificing that I want more. So as I have children of my own, they're more of my priority than the boss. So if I start sacrificing them for what that male authority figure wants, that's a problem. And I need to go back to the source address the source so that that behavior no longer manifests in the present. And so, Tim, I know that you have done a lot of work in terms of that specific aspect, which is called reconnection. 
Because when you reconnect with yourself, you rediscover who you were in the beginning and allow that person to become alive in the present. My way of working is to get people very deeply to their core issues through this process I call compassionate inquiry. They get to see what it is that they're really seeking. And what, what are they seeking? They're seeking themselves. They're seeking reconnection, ultimately. But there's steps that you go through. So inquire in a compassionate way. Not why did I do this, but hmm, why did I do this? The first one is not a question. It's a statement. It's a self-condemnation. The second one is a question. Hmm, wonder why I did this. Ah, it soothed my pain. It served you. So thank it. Love it. But let go of it. That has been a challenge for me, and I am not exactly sure where to go with that. Dr. Gabor Marte mentions a couple different places to go with that, but can you tell me in your life, or do you have any thoughts on what to do there? Yeah, I mean, what, what I think of is he kind of says compassionate inquiry, and to be compassionate to the self. And you hear people say that, and I remember a handful of years back, people are like, well, be kind to yourself. You're like, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, gee, be kind to myself. Okay. But it's really actually interesting. I was visiting my brother, Eric, who was going into sales. And he had a stack of books that his bosses were giving him. And there was a book called The Inner Game of Tennis. Have you ever heard of this book? No. And it helped me with this very issue. And you're like, wait, what does the book about tennis have to do with this? The whole book is about your relationship with yourself while playing tennis. And he talks about how as somebody's practicing tennis and they're getting better and better and better at it, you get really disappointed with yourself when you don't hit it right. If you miss your shot, what is the first thing that you do? You tell yourself in your head, you usually say something like, you stupid idiot, why didn't you hit that right? I know you could have hit that. Come on, man, you should have gotten that right. And you have this dialogue going on and suddenly you realize, oh, wow, I do have a dialogue. Who are you saying that to? Who are you saying you're an idiot to? Yourself. Yourself. But which self? Hmm. Is it the self that's saying that? Or is there another part of yourself that is receiving that? We sort of have this inner dialogue if you stop and listen for a second. But the point that I'm trying to say is I was reading this book and he's talking about this inner game of tennis. And I realized I do have that dialogue constantly in my head. And it's not just when I'm playing tennis. It's when I do work and I'm late. You stupid idiot. You didn't get that in in time. When I would fail a test or not perform on the test. How could you? you? You're so lazy. You didn't spend the time studying that you knew you could have. Mm. There is a part of you that is receiving that message from yourself. Is that helpful? Is that productive? You are over time accumulating this massive amount of inner hate, inner anger, inner judgment. And that is the opposite of what you want. If you want to perform well, the best performers are those who are able to trust their self. If anything, they are playing from that which you are speaking to in those moments. Hmm. And going back to Gabor Mate's question, why did I do this? And it's not about the words. It's about the, like you just said, the attitude towards yourself. So not why did I do this, yeah. but... Okay, why did I placate my father? I felt like somebody who just couldn't stick up for themselves. Why did I do that? Why did I not stick up for myself? And 
if I stop there, it just feels like, well, you didn't stick up for yourself because you're weak and you're a coward. But if I actually ask, what would a five-year-old do? What would I expect my seven-year-old to do in that circumstance? Why would he react that way? Well, when I'm thinking about somebody else, I can give them compassion and I can say, oh, well, because a seven-year-old would never be able to confront an adult and be able to change the situation. So why would I expect myself to do that? And if I can then answer that question and apply it to myself and say, oh, yeah, oh, of course, that's what I did. Then I can say, oh, I don't have to carry that along with me now. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to feel bad about it. And I can let that go. So in terms of the two components that we have here, which are both disconnecting from yourself and not understanding, not connecting with your authentic self, which is, I guess, very similar. What would you suggest? I mean, I'm certainly no expert. I would say that what I learned was even in how you ask the question about yourself, would you ever talk to somebody else the way you talk to yourself? Like in that tennis example I was giving, would you ever say, oh, you idiot, why'd you miss it? No, my friends, the people that I care about, if they did that, I would say something like, hey, good shot. You know, if you adjusted your hand a little bit, maybe next time it won't go as bad. Or like, hey, great try. That was awesome. Why don't you try that again a little bit differently? What if even in how you ask yourself the question of what was it like to be me at that time? Why did I do this? What if you said, hey, little guy, I get that things were hard for you. That's all right. You're doing all right. Can you remember when and what happened? And can you inquire about yourself and ask the questions, even with some padding around it? Why not? Why not start and speak to yourself in the same way you would speak to somebody else? And by doing so, you might be able to get closer to the answer because that self that you're speaking to, it's almost like it has a little bit of a mind of its own. And if it's afraid to come out because of this aggressive question or this commanding voice, maybe it'll come out a little bit more with more of a kind presentation even of the question. And and so I can vividly remember a time in my life when I was reading this book and I started to do that. And I was able to, for one of the first times in my entire life, actually give myself a hug, which sounds kind of weird, but I gave myself a hug and I was able to have communion between those two voices in a weird way. It was like being able to say, I'm grateful for that voice. You don't want that voice to shut off. It protected you. It was there for you as a child. That voice that is saying, hey, you idiot, you did this thing there. It is doing the best it can too. It is trying. And so if you say, thank you for protecting me, but at this time I, I need some more compassion from you. And that's the self, right? And then that voice and that self that is speaking to one another can come closer to this wholeness, to this understanding of one another. And at, at that point, there's a lot of still work to be done at per Gabor Mate, but that's just one example of my life. But there are a lot of activities he talks about that could help, whether it's yoga as a form of integration with the body and the self, if that's what it takes to be compassionate towards the self, or this concept of self-care, which is kind of going around. And that's important, too, to take care of yourself or with meditation and mindfulness, or he does therapy, finding the right therapist that you can go there with. Because as he says, it's hard to do this alone. You need somebody there with you who knows how to help you navigate and maneuver these really complicated inner workings of your mind. So I think those are some of the ways that integration can happen. Uh, What about you, Chris? Have you um, found 
any tools or any ways to, to integrate? So I think regardless of whether you believe that all addictions come from this type of childhood trauma, you don't have to ascribe to that. I'm not convinced that that's definitely the way that it is. Mm-hmm. But just going through what you just said, just listening to what Dr. Gabor Mate's process is, has helped me. When I've gone back and said to myself, what do I want more? Do I want to be authentic to myself now? Or do I want to be addicted to my past? And the answer is easy. It took me a while because it's uncomfortable. These things hurt back then. It was not a, a positive time. It sucked. And facing that hurt and you don't have to do it forever. Once you revisit, once you go back and say, I don't want to be that person anymore. I'm going to show compassion, which releases the guilt and the shame of those events. Then I can take that on more easily. And then I've been able to just see it as it is. My father was this person. I was this person. I placated him because I was a child. I don't have to do that anymore. And even just that has allowed me to take control of those situations more. Now, it's not gone. It's not solved completely. But actually, I've noticed that the more I do that, the more I encounter situations where I'm like, whoa, whoa, where did that come from? And I go back again, it heals steadily over time. And I think that is what my biggest takeaway is. This is the mode of behavior I want to be in going forward. I want to notice why I'm not acting like myself. I want to notice why I'm disconnecting. And I want to try to tie that back to other events and see what happens, see if it heals and see if that behavior changes. Yeah, that's that's powerful. That's powerful. It's not simple, but even just starting there, being willing to confront the past with a compassionate awareness sense that alone can help start healing things in the past. It almost kind of feels like to me, like we can kind of go back in time in a little bit of a way because by going back and re-witnessing what was happening at that time. Now this idea that we have memories, which allow us to kind of go back, it can almost undo or redo some things that are currently getting in the way that are currently bubbling up in the wrong ways at the wrong time. And did you learn all of that from this episode? Yeah. I I mean, I had, you hear stuff about, oh, therapy is good about learning about what happened to you in your childhood, but it was all nebulous to me. There's a stigma that it's weak to make excuses for why you're behaving, how you're behaving now, to put those reasons on the way that you were brought up. And that the answer is to double down in terms of your determination and your discipline. I have not found that to be successful. (laughs) I've tried. So maybe it's successful. Maybe you can do it. And great. But then I've also struggled with something like therapy to just start talking about my past and have that automatically heal what's going on now. So this framework is just a couple of questions and you can do it by yourself. Yeah. And, you know, as, as we wrap up here, I do want to say like, we're just sharing our own personal experiences and this has been a really powerful example of what can be done on our own. But I also want to say a lot of people do need in-person therapy. They need help from a professional. We aren't therapists. We're just sharing our own 
personal experience of what's worked for us. So I do want to say we're not saying don't go to therapy or that you can do it all on your own. I think even Dr. Mate would say it's essential that you have a well, He said he's gotten years of therapy. And that he needed that. He couldn't do it by himself, right? And if he couldn't do it by himself, I mean, I think it's still a valuable tool. I also you just want to say for some people, revisiting the past can re-traumatize them too if they're not in the situation or the setting where they're able to do that. And we're talking about varying degrees of trauma and experience here. And so it's certainly a powerful podcast to go back and listen to and listen to the full multi-hour long conversation with Tim Ferriss and Gabor Mate and and try to really understand what they have to offer us as people because it's meant so much to us and we have been able to go back and start healing ourselves. I told a, a portion of my story which I was able to do through a book that I read and going back in and having compassion on the self and being able to tell myself that I love myself, which was something that for a long time, I, I don't think that I did because I didn't go through that process of recognizing that it was what anybody might do in that situation. Or these things are kind of like, we, it is okay. It's, it's, it's okay. Little Tim, right? Like go back and look at your, your little self and just let them know that it's okay. It, it's fine. Things worked out and, and you're going to get out of that situation. And at that time, maybe you didn't know the foresight, you didn't know what was going to happen, but those things start to open the door. Maybe you need to do that before you feel willing to go see a therapist, because sometimes it takes a little progress, a little momentum. Like we have this abbreviation, it's a packs a powerful punch. Go listen to that for sure. And then if you're interested, highly recommend the full episode. And Dr. Gabor Mate also has a couple books out there. I've heard are really good. I haven't read them yet, but I do plan to. And get out there and try to make some progress on these things if it's something that you think this is the right time for you. That's great. Thanks, Tim, for sharing. And uh, yeah, thank really you. Yes, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been. And really... <laughs> therapeutic <laughs> <laughs> right well thanks everyone for listening and i hope you enjoy the abbreviation thanks everyone for listening and hope to see you next time thank you so much bye-bye